Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security, and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Nicole Russon-McFarland about the business of film before the Oscar win. Nicole is a former New York agency model who harnessed the power of the internet to create a personal brand as a credible film director and film score composer. Nicole made a name for herself turning online views of her films and her social media presence into recognition for her filmmaking and film music. Hello, Nicole, and welcome. Hello. I live in the past. You film in Australia, and you live in the future. (laughs) X-Men, Days of Future Past. That's actually a movie title. So (laughs) that would be this podcast. There you are. You you can be... um, I guess I don't know who I am on there, but you can be um, Charles Xavier. He's the, the, the head of the X-Men. Ah, there yes. you go. As, <laughs> as you can see already, I'm, I'm not uh, up with the X-Men, but uh, no. <laughs> nonetheless, as, as Nicole suggested, uh, Nicole is in uh, America and here am I in Australia, so... We're on different time zones, but we appreciate that (laughs) Nicole has uh, taken the time to have a chat with us because Mm -hmm. she has a tremendous story to tell, um, which might help people recognise that there's a tremendous opportunity out there. It's just a matter of making up your mind because I understand, Nicole, that you went to university and studied something completely different. How did that all come about? I never used my degree again. And I actually never used it when I was at my university either. So there was no purpose to it. And that's one of my burning questions is there are certain people in life uh, who my parents and, and other people's parents held up to us as saying, look, these people finished their university degrees and they didn't have to, and they would name different people. And I, I want to corner every single person and get answers out of them. And maybe they have something valuable to say too. Um, I, I, I'm sure I'll get an answer someday from these different people, but. Right now, it didn't do anything for me. <laughs> um, no, but it does highlight, of course, uh, something that hasn't changed through the, through the years, through the ages even, is sometimes our education system doesn't seem to pro- provide us with the things that we actually want. Have you got any views on how we might change that? Well, for one thing, I would like that you can study whatever you want without having this load of classes that are completely useless to you, or at least be able to pick and choose. Because with me, I felt like I didn't learn in more of my liberal arts classes. And I did learn a lot in mathematics and science. And had I, I would have rather have had, and of course they didn't let me transfer because of the rigid system into music or film and those things like that. But had they let me study something I would have picked out myself, I would have liked to study and say that they study outside your major, um, I would have chosen a major like music, film, or, or a combo. And then after that, I would have done um, strictly math and science. I wouldn't have studied liberal arts. 
but the way American universities are set up, and I think British and other ones too, and, and around the world, tends to be that they want you to have everything, including if it's of no use to you. You don't have a passion for it, and you don't need to study it because you already studied that in, in your previous years in school. So it's, it's kind of silly, and, and it's a waste of time. <laughs> At least to me, maybe I'll change my mind right now. <laughs> right now, it's a waste of time in the year 2020. And of course, given that I'm not uh, educated in music, I do hear that uh, music is just a part of mathematics. So, did well, mathematics it's, it's, it's art with meeting you? science. So, there, there it's, it's a mix. It has to be a perfect mix. So, um, you can get all the answers correct, and this is something answering people as to why some musicians and and in everything but in particular the film score world some people are really good at getting the perfect answer but the art is not there and also if you don't have the math right you know that nothing adds up and it's off and and whatever but the art is there it's not good either and you can see when uh things go sour and, and, and that's, um, you need to have the right combination. So I think it really would have helped me to study so much math and science. It would have been my dream degree, but it didn't happen. It's like a dream. Many things are not real. Notwithstanding that degree might not have been uh, perfect for what you have ended up doing, you've carved your own way. You've, you've created your own journey to become a director of film and a composer. Mm-hmm. And that's something I always wanted to do. And I told you my famous line that I introduced everyone, like they say, have your elevator pitch ready. I'd say, I want to be Peter Jackson and Hans Zimmer rolled into one, making blockbusters, studio films, like animation and Oscar movies. And that's my big pitch. So I always, although it, in, in full honesty, when I was a younger person, I was 11 and that sort of thing, I also really loved James Horner and there's a lesson I can give people tell the person while he or she is alive and it doesn't matter how stupid it is or you think that the person might think you're for lack of a better term a dumbo but you know in life at least maybe it's just because it's me I can pretty much ring up anybody I want or text anybody I want and maybe not immediately but in in the near future I can. And I always have a means of getting in touch with people. So I never got to meet James Horner, never got to talk to him, never met him, never texted him, never had a little discussion, never a Facebook chat, nothing. And it always eats me alive that I never got to tell this. I have career loves of my life of different people like Riley Scott and different people. And um, I have like my top picks, you know, I mentioned Peter Jackson and Hans Zimmer, but I never got to tell this guy, um, James Horner, how I felt about him. And I'm like the, the love actually person at the airport when the little boy goes to the airport and he's so sad and he has to tell the girl he loves her. That's how I feel, but in the great metaphor of career inspiration. So that's a lesson to people. I always wanted to do it. It's just that, you know, um, when nobody else has done it, you kind of have to convince the world that it's doable. And there are directors who have composed and, you know, like there's a gentleman from the horror world, there's Robert Rodriguez, there are, you know, different people. And I'm on the flip end of somebody who studied music and knows how to compose and how to learn how to do filmmaking. So I'm in the opposite and they've never really had a person like me. So that's the cool thing of my life. <laughs> 
And so you continue carving out this uh, journey of a career for yourself. Mm-hmm. Filmmaking before the Oscar win, is this the struggle area or is this just an area that we out here who are not involved in filmmaking just don't see much about because we hear all about the Oscar winners? Well, it's what you have to do when people come up to you and they're like, hi, I know who you are, but I don't know your name. And you know, they're like, they don't, they, they know like they've seen you and they don't know why they've seen you. You could be that person they went to high school with, but like, were you in a Quentin Tarantino movie or were you the girl in a commercial for Verizon wireless or were you like on that soap opera or how do they know you? Like, are you a filmmaker? Are you a rock star? What are you? They don't really know why they know you and they didn't even met you somehow, or maybe they haven't. You are just a familiar face. And that's the predicament that you fall into and it's your, and also the point when you're spending everything you earn right back into your career, whether it's for advertising or expenses for your projects, you're not quite yet sitting on James Cameron's gold mine, but you would like to be, and someday you will, and someday I will, I'm going to be a billionaire filmmaker slash composer, but when? And that's the predicament. Um, there's a line in Carmen that I'm always quoting. It's a it's an old, old opera piece, like from my time period, because I'm 250 years old. It's my long running joke. Maybe tomorrow, maybe never, but not today. That is certain. So that's that's how everything is. Like maybe tomorrow, maybe never. Everything's up in the air. Like you definitely could be billionaire, Oscar winning filmmaker, or actress or whatever, but not today. It is certain. And you want to make sure that it becomes certain. And in order to make that certain, do you have a particular formula that you follow in order to identify what it is that you want to make a film about and how to make that film? Well, actually, I was originally just wanting to get films out there. But lately, I do lots. And and it's not only research for filmmaking topics. I do lots of research into everything from old press releases to uh, movies that were popular, to imagery, to old magazines, everything from the Great Depression up to the 1980s, I'd say, and even a little bit of the 90s, but mostly leaving it at the 80s. Because I know right now, and I think the coronavirus is going to exhaust this trend, but right now we are into a certain aesthetic that is very strange to me, and it probably is to you, and you see like women with very strange tattooed hairy eyebrows not joking they're tattooed in in bodies a little bit like baboons and and you know things that are strange looking and scary makeup and then women who don't look normal and men with noses like this and you know it's just very strange and and um people rather than wanting to look like a more beautiful version of themselves want to look like they're not human anymore because they always had that better version of you See, even in the 1950s or 1960s, people were into getting a nose. I clearly, my nose is falling into my upper lip, so I don't have one. But, uh, you know, like people, Marilyn Monroe, et cetera, would have a nose job and do her hair or whatever. There's always been that. But so you look into aesthetics like what is timeless? What can one, um, and, and I have talked with male friends about this too, like what can one wear to be timeless as a man or a woman? What can you look like? work and then what about some little bit of fun pictures you can have 
that are inspired by these, you know, maybe pop cultural moments of films or old magazines, old Vogue's, old GQ, things like that. And I've been working a lot with that for um, promoting my Spotify channel, which I said, this is crazy and goofy and stupid before the coronavirus, but I can tell you the exact number today. I know that I went from, and Spotify for whoever is a little bit older in the audience is the most popular streaming platform. So I, I checked this a week ago and it was like 50 people were streaming. It's today, 1,896 monthly listeners up from 56 people or, or 50 people. I would like it to be half a million or a million listeners. That's not to say it won't be. That goes with the maybe now, maybe tomorrow, but not today. That's certain that I quoted. But, you know, for selling film music, that's very good. And and for me to have a bit of, you know, like I have a bit of a hip hop inspired, I'd say hip hop single on there. But, you know, I have some pretty neat pictures on here. I'll show you. They, they in the podcast can't see them. But you see like that? That's like a classic photo. Glasses. There's nothing, you know, that's from like the 1960s inspired. This is a picture of me and I'm showing you. I hope everyone out there can imagine. This is me and Neon. And it's inspired by, you know, like um, some of the old work that Quentin Tarantino loves. Um, and he's such a good inspiration too. Um, you know, I have... Almost um, this uh, Vanity Fair type photography of a menswear outfit. I mean, with a tie. And it's, uh, I have different things that are super neat. You can even go back and see here, like 1950s, 60s, maybe stars with the sweaters. So I thought, like, this is the silliest thing in the world. I'm going to, and it, you know, I'm going to fall on my face. And people were going to make fun of me for having these pictures. And instead, all they do is they respond and they click on my Spotify link and actually listen to my music. It's the neatest thing in the world. And you think it's stupid, but because now people have Snapchat and all these things, and that's very old Hollywood of me, uh, even, you know, from the days of Farrah Fawcett, whatever. But it works because people like seeing pictures of people doing things and also people of cleaning up well. Um, And that's another thing from the olden days that you don't have to look drastically beautiful or handsome. You just clean up well, look like the best version of yourself. And I also, the fun thing about this is that this phone you're looking at here this is the latest iphone model which i upgraded to and i thought that was you know like oh just a commercial it's not gonna be that much better than my phone but my phone is really good it tastes i mean it's not gonna be like as high resolution as some of the other things out there but it's it takes incredible pictures um and you still have to fix lighting and things like that but for anyone who has a brand of any age and you want pictures of food or your, your products or you at work all you need is the latest iphone and a, uh, a good friend or a family member whom you trust and shares your vision and listens to you and you will get everything you need on an iphone you don't need a professional photo shoot because nobody's going to care if you have like high resolution you can, where you can see someone's nose hairs and that's like me being silly but nobody's going to care they just want to see classic pictures that are very sharp and these are high resolution, by the way. It's the latest iPhone. They want it's only to see the get results. Better. Yeah. And They're I also look into things like I mentioned. Achieved. So press releases. Now, um, you must have been up to something particularly special and clever to multiply your, your viewers times 20 in the space of a week. Uh, no, no, these are not viewers. These are our Spotify listeners. These are, yeah, are people Just, listening to the classical music. Yes. Yeah. So how did you manage music. to uh, achieve such a turnaround? Um, well, I've been posting, like, I counted eight pictures, and I have more on my phone from 
you know, before we had the coronavirus and we could violate, you know, standing next, this was before we had the six feet apart rule. And I just had a friend take my pictures on my iPhone with my permission. I had these different ideas of things I wanted to try. And, um, you know, um, looked at everything from, like I said, 1950s, even up to Kill Bill, another inspiration for lighting and things. And I posted these pictures online. And I, I keep telling underneath everyone, I have a Spotify. Please listen to my Spotify. I changed from the main link to my Spotify and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Well, Facebook, I haven't because for some reason, people lately are not on Facebook as much. And I've been like, bothering people and there's a little thing called instagram stories and i've been hosting on here about my do you know i have a spotify and i and then it's I, like i said and can i can pull up the numbers i wrote down for other people by contrast and these are my goals um so obviously my favorite businessman in the film music industry hans summer gets five million three hundred ninety thousand monthly listeners so i have a long way to go but all the way at the bottom you have like um gentleman from my website i interviewed brad fidel who did the terminator and terminator 2 themes and uh he gets 133 000 monthly listeners and that's more doable for me so i mean they're that's big, the only reason he doesn't get more is because he's retired uh, but you know it's things like that and i used to say this is the dumbest thing ever and i feel stupid and people are going to laugh at me mainly the reason i was worried about that is because in contrast i'm next to girls in bikinis, who are photoshopping their waists so like to be 10 inches in circumference, okay? So you have to understand who I'm talking about. And, and then you're, you know, all these bikini girls. And then here I want to have these classy, including if, you know, I'm wearing a pretty dress or something, just, you know, like classier photos and artsier photos of me that call to another time, different decades, obviously. But was that going to work? And apparently it does. But that is, if you want to adapt that to somebody's business who is not, in this profession, you could adapt it to, you know, like maybe, um, instead of a businessman in a suit, maybe here's you going fishing or here are you in front of flowers with a picnic or, or things like that. I mean, it doesn't, it depends, but it should always be a reflection of who you are. And I think that's another thing. I think I look really relaxed in many of these photos because I have had so many instances where I hate the photos taken of me and I hate what I'm wearing or don't like them or I, I don't, want to use them at least for branding um so, so we as the audience we still want uh to see something real is that that what you're looking for yeah and also like it has to be it comes the product is just so much better when you like what you're doing versus and you have every say 100 percent in this matter and um because it, it has happened where and i've had some friends who are not in entertainment and they tell me things like i hired you know very successful businessman i hired a professional photographer to do this and he's not or she's not because one time was a woman and a man complained to me about woman she's not doing what i said and i am paying her i am paying him they're not giving my models the makeup i want or if they don't have human models they say um the product is not the way i want i want neon or whatever and the product is being shown in this and there's a gentleman i talked to who actually does all his own photography and it's so beautiful um, he went out and bought his own camera. He has incredibly best-selling products and everything that he sells, he photographs himself. And it's it works out for him because people were not listening to him. And, and it's happened to me. So that's one of the things that 
Um, and also, I just think it's so much better, like the end product versus um, if somebody comes to you and then you're like, what have you, it's, as an example, I was paying someone many, many years ago, over a decade ago to take pictures of me for marketing myself as a model. And I had been with agencies and I said, I wanted to have pictures of me. The makeup artist was not doing the makeup I wanted. The photographer took me into a place where we shouldn't have been uh, because it was dangerous quite literally dangerous. There were warning signs everywhere and all this debris and stuff. I was, I was by all this electrical wiring and there's all this debris flying in my face and the pictures came out terrible. And I said like, and, and then he got mad and, and he was refusing to do what I wanted. And th that doesn't happen if you work by yourself, you work with a friend. But going back to what I said also about press releases and things like that, there's a style of writing that you can use for marketing yourself in your biographies uh, or in your products descriptions, things like that. It's very classic where you can even go and take it up to nostalgia from the 1950s and 1960s and use things that work. And in fact, one of the things I pushed for that's on my Spotify biography um, and kind of having a group discussion about it. Well, uh, yeah. So it talks about me and it's like Nicole Resnick Farland is this. Um, but here's something that I really, really pushed for. A millennial swivel on Marilyn Monroe's playbook because... Um, and it talks about my achievements and things, but one of the things that I probably have in there, it's also in my YouTube biography, is because Marilyn Monroe, she's going to be the most common example people know, but there are many, many people like her, Steven Spielberg even, you could say it's like her, because let me just say this, if you look at what people do who become successful, they're always honest with the public, so to speak. So when Marilyn Monroe had her big scandal and I'll get to Steven Spielberg in a second about his cool example. Marilyn Monroe had a big, you know, the Playboy thing. And they're like, you have to deny this from the studio. And she instead said, and I think they, the studio got really mad. But Marilyn Monroe came and said, well, I just needed the money. And I wanted to take off my clothes. And that was her answer to this, I think it was Life magazine. And then everyone's like, oh my goodness. Because, you know, back then it was the 1950s and this young lady said she wanted the money and wanted to do it. Nobody forced her into it. And, you know, and then Steven Spielberg, on the other hand, was very open from the time he was young about um, that he was struggling to be taken seriously. And it's, there had been another director for a particular movie that he was almost involved with. And if, and if he had been that person instead, he wouldn't have been nominated. But yet the other person directed it. Therefore, it was better. He was always... He didn't wake up one day and Mr. Spielberg didn't just show up in Hollywood and they're like, oh, here you go. Here's an Oscar for Schindler's List. He was actually not let in the inner circle for many, many years, despite having hits. And he was very open about that rather than saying, oh, everything's dandy. Everything's awesome. So you should always be, people like it. And then, you know, like he gave tours of his video game machines um, he, he did all kinds of things when he spoke with the press about who he really was versus, you know, showing up with perfection, like the great Gatsby. Uh, overnight success is not necessarily overnight and it's about being authentic and continuing to right. pursue and to deliver. People often don't understand the disconnect. They think that perfection is the way to go, but actually people don't like perfection. And that's the reason why everything from art to business kind of falls into the lack of perfection. I see lots of animated films uh, around nowadays, uh, not necessarily all to my taste, of course, but there is lots of it. Is animation a, a great choice for a new filmmaker? Oh, animation and horror. 
one of the best ways to break into the film industry because they're the most fun, the easiest, not to say they're easy, the easiest in terms of you can work on your own at home with animation. You're not at a studio. And with horror, a lot of it is done, you know, with special effects artists before or after, depending whether, you know, whether they are digital or they are practical, you're going to be working on those. And then you shoot the movie. Um, and, and they're both beloved genres that kind of sell themselves. So you're going to sell your movie. It might take you some time. By sell, I mean people might watch it on YouTube. They might find it on a streaming service, but they will find it. Whereas if you film a historical movie, it's your first movie, you're not going to have the budget. You're not going to be able to make a Dunkirk or one of the things that's in your heart because you don't have the money. Maybe possibly the experience to make it as beautiful as Dunkirk. It's just an example. Um, so you you would rather be safe in the beginning before you make your blockbusters and your Oscar movies. What is, uh, well, first off, what is, but what is it about IMDb that makes it so important? Yeah, so IMDb is the database for everybody who's an actor, an entertainer, or a behind-the-scenes person. So that could be a set painter, CGI artist, it's like that. And you have to have credits to be taken seriously. If your credits do not happen on INDB, they don't count. So you need it. They count a little, but nobody really cares. They just want to know, you know, like how well ranked are you on INDB? Right, how well searched for are you on the website? Like where do you rank? Are you number 500 or number 8 million? Right now, mine fluctuates anywhere from 50,000 down to 120,000 approximately, depending on the week. I could definitely be doing better, but I've definitely done a lot worse. Um, and you have all your contact information on there for, you know, talent, agents, et cetera, publicists, so on. It's a body of work, but mostly you get hired by the number of credits you've done on IMDb. Regardless of what people say, that's basically what it is. Like, I wouldn't listen to casting directors selling the dream. It's beautiful, but that's not the way it works. People only care about how famous you are and how many IMDb credits you have. The truth. <laughs> it's about recognition. So right. Why should people want to be famous? Because you will be powerful and you will make money. And that's only if you use the fame correctly, because if you use it to sell SlimFast, that's really not the way to go. Although SlimFast might have its appeal to people, but you want to be using your fame to get money to invest in Oscar projects or in films, your businesses, things like that. And you want to have the power of being able to walk into a studio like James Cameron, demand a huge sum of money, get the money, and then be able to turn around and make much more money for the studio than they ever dreamed possible. And he's one of the only people in the world who does that. And that's one reason I say that women right now are not powerful. There's no single powerful female director, obviously I would like to be, um, because unless you have that ability, you are not powerful. And fame brings that ability. And you want the right amount of fame. And you also don't want the fame that's just like, oh, she looks pretty on a magazine cover which is what most people associate someone's on a magazine cover in glitter, looking sexy and gorgeous, and that's the way she is, and that's actually not the way fame goes. You want to be taken seriously, people to like you, people to th think you are talented, 
and to be like the gentleman who seems I'm always mentioning. And also like the guys who are the top 10 earners for Hollywood. Um, you can look up who they are online on Forbes and stuff. And uh, you want to be like them. They can walk it and demand money. However, there's only one person, according to a magazine I read, I'd say James Cameron. He's not mentioned in the magazine. He gets the money, but they say that Steven Spielberg is the only person in the world in film who can make any project he wants. And he can go into a room and say, like, this is, he's never going to want to do this. But say he wants to make a movie about magic sheep from a flying saucer or whatever. They will actually give him the money. They will give him the money to do anything. He's tremendous power. And that's kind of what I aspire what, to. That's and, what being famous in that world allows. Right, and you can have artistic creativity because nobody's going to tell you what to do. And you will have more say in your contracts. Like instead of saying you will get paid this, you will say I will get paid this. I will get a percentage of that. I will get this from the toys. I will get, you know, it's so laid out. There's a fascinating world to contract and negotiation that nobody talks about because everyone's a dreamer, right? <laughs> they don't focus on the business. That's why. Yes, let's, let's let's focus on uh, what works. So, Nicole, what is the best tip you have received from a business conversation? And way too many to count. Well, one of them was my great uncle. He works in the corporate world. He was a CEO, and he said, "Know your limitations." And he said, "Some people don't know their limitations." That's one of my favorite ones. And um, meaning, like, what are you good at? What can you be better at and what will you never be good at? And if you have limitations, because everyone does, there are things you cannot do. And, you know, the other ones be online all day. That's the other (laughs) one from a friend. (laughs) Yeah, very good tip. But what is the top piece of advice, Nicole, you would like to leave listeners with today? Well... I guess I would say, I might change my answer from the beginning when I was thinking that. Okay, find a person you see yourself in. And for me, oh, I love Hans Zimmer. Um, I love his backstory. But also, I mean, besides the fact he inspires me through his business sense, my favorite person who's a film director is Peter Jackson. And it's not for his movies. It's because I see myself in him. He was a simple gentleman who worked in a newspaper. I worked at the New York Daily News part-time, once upon a time. And he went from that to, with his then-girlfriend, without living in Hollywood, being successful to the, you know, the successor to the trilogy, the best trilogy since Star Wars. So um, just find people like you, you see yourself in. If you can, try to meet them. Try to, um, you know, at least have five minutes of their time. doesn't matter if they live on the other side of the world. They live in Hollywood. They live in London, wherever. Just find whoever this person is. Talk to the person. And that's, you know, like you think if, you know, someone is famous, that person's going to be mean. And quite the opposite. The people who are not A-listers, talking like the C-listers, the D-listers, the reality people, those are the meanest people and the most arrogant but once you get into things like people who are nominated for BAFTAs and the big awards, or at least kind of close, about to be, you know, they're going to be nominated for an Oscar in a few years, those people are very approachable. And you can actually text people or talk to people or at least meet them somehow through work. Or even if it's like 10 seconds of a you know, phone call or whatever, you can meet people. Never underestimate that in your industry, whatever it is. 
whether you're on Wall Street or you are, I don't know, a banker in Sydney or whatever, that you cannot meet the most influential people in your industry because they will take you seriously. They will understand you're, you're, you're serious about it and believe you. They won't, there's no sexism or, or racism or anything in terms of meeting people who you want to be like. Um, and that usually find, people put roadblocks and they think they will. Find the people who uh, resonate with you and move on. Yeah. Uh, good advice. And most importantly, Nicole, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? Mm, well, I have a website, cinematnic.com. I'm on Spotify, but I mentioned that enough. <laughs> I have a YouTube, Nicole Russell McFarland, uh, Spotify. And Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook are at Nick Russin, N-I-C-R-U-S-S-I-N. That's a very cool business tip. Always have a nickname because it sells much better. And it really does. People, you know, like you might want to be Harold Rutherford the Fourth, and you can do that, but you should have a screen name or at least a little nickname that people are like Harry or whatever. Because it sells, it's good for your career, it brings you back down to earth, it makes you approachable. It's like one of the oldest tricks in the book. And I've heard it from many, many old school Wall Street gentlemen and other people that are like, do you, you know, like, do you ever go by Nick and like, or do you go by Nick Gee or what do you, and like, yeah, I go by Nick. You stop and you will get the world. You will get everything you want. I'm sure, Nicole, that uh, you will as Nick take over. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for, for being on our conversation and giving us an insight into what it is to make it in the world of film. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app and you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.